it's the uh, podcast for the end of the week. It's uh, for a Friday. Uh, I'm Bob McCowan. It's uh, John Shannon over there on the other side of the screen, if you're uh, watching on YouTube. And our uh, pal, uh, Dan Shulman, a uh, voice of many, many things, uh, not the least of them, the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, although he's in basketball mode now, he's in Charlotte, North Carolina, and extended stay to do basketball for uh, ESPN. And and as intriguing as that may be, Shulman, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll kind of leave it at that because we wanted to talk to you about baseball. There have been some developments with the Blue Jays, obviously, over the last few days. Uh, we'll get to uh, the signings of uh, Chatwood and Yates, but uh, George Springer gets a six-year, $150 million deal. Well, let me start with that. Are the Blue Jays overpaying? I, I really uh, don't know what the numbers mean anymore. Right. And I, you guys know this as well as I do. And Bob, you and I have been talking about this forever. I mean, there are some, there are some instances, maybe most instances, where the Blue Jays do have to overpay. And, and you know, maybe if you're a, a premium free agent, you know, you play two teams off each other and you say to one team, if you match them, it's you that I want. And maybe you say to the other team, if you beat them by 5% or 10%, uh, it's what I, and, and the Blue Jays have to be that team most of the time. Uh, and, and, and I don't think it's a negative against Toronto or Canada. George Springer's from Connecticut and the Mets have a lot of money. Like there's nothing, there are many good reasons for him to want to go play for the Mets. And I think if the Blue Jays were going to land a big fish and he's a big fish, then they had to overpay. You know, when you're talking about the, you know, the, the middle reliever who's getting a million and a half for a year, I don't think the Blue Jays have to overpay for that guy. Yeah, but for the big guys like Hunjin Ryu, they added the fourth year. They got Hunjin Ryu. They they went six one fifty instead of six one twenty five, which was the rumored Mets offer. They get Springer. It's unfortunate, but it's 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 the way of life. I think sometimes for the Blue Jays. Well, um, well, you you say big fish. How how big a fish? Oh, really big. How yeah. big a fish? Oh, it's a big. This is a big fish. So um, he's been. Um, inarguably one of the 15 or 20 best offensive players in baseball the last four or five years. He has also been inarguably one of the best 15 or so hitters in baseball the last two years post-scandal. He is not a creation of the sign-stealing scandal. Was he a part of it? Yes. Uh, did he do it as much as some of the other guys? I don't think so. And I know he was more remorseful about it than the other guys. And I will tell you from the limited dealings I've had with him, and from being around the team and from people I know who know him very well. And I know some people are going to swat this away and say he's a cheater and he'll always be a cheater. I am telling you, he is a, a good human being and he will ingratiate himself in the community. He will get involved with um, charitable endeavors. He will be a leader in the clubhouse and a respected professional. Um, that doesn't excuse him for what he did. He did what he did. But he stood up in front of the microphones and owned it. And not all of his teammates did that. So I don't know if there are shades of gray here, but if there are, uh, there were other bigger offenders than him. But in terms of how good of a player he is, John, he's a, he's a great player. Um, he's a terrific offensive player. He's a good center fielder. He's a very good right fielder. He'll play center for the Blue Jays, obviously, and maybe in year three, four, five, he moves to right field. But, um, you know, he makes a decent amount of contact for a guy who's got the power that he does and whether you hit him first, second, or third, you can't go wrong. Where would you hit him? I think I want to see what else they do, who else they bring in. So when we thought Michael Brantley was coming, right away I put Brantley in the three spot. 
And then I put Springer up top and I had Bo Bichette second and I moved Biggio down. But if, if Brantley's not there, then given the current roster, uh, I think I would have either, I think I would lead off Springer and, and maybe have, but I really like Bo in the two spot. Uh, I think I would go Biggio, Bo, Springer and have Springer hit third. Um, you know, you can drop Biggio a little bit. I don't see Biggio as a three hitter. I see him as a one or a two, or, or if the lineup gets deeper, maybe down in the order. I really like Bo hitting second, but again, you can, I don't think you can go wrong. I, I think you could put all these numbers into a computer with those three guys and they would, they would uh, come out good no matter what you did. You, you know, we grew what up. What a in, wonderful problem to have. Yeah, yeah, we grew up in an era, though, where um, your leadoff hitter and, and as often as not your two hitter were speed guys. Yeah. Uh, guys that could get on base in whatever way possible and then put pressure on the defense with a threat to steal. I mean, Ricky Henderson was the ideal kind of guy like that. But that philosophy works, is used less and less now, Dan. Do you agree with it? Yes. Well, you said two things. You said speed guys who can get on base. The on base part is even more important than it used to be. If you had a speed guy with a 290 on base percentage 25 years ago, he was probably leading off. Mm -hmm. Now that guy's hitting eighth or ninth. So on base percentage is incredibly important. And that's where, you know, Biggio gets a check mark, obviously. And actually, Biggio and Bichette will both steal more bases than Springer. Springer's got more power. I agree. Than Biggio and Bichette. So uh, I, I kind of like the idea still of, of Biggio leading off Bichette hitting second. It's, it's funny. I look at Springer as a one or a three, not a two. I look at Biggio as a one or a two, not a three. And there's no foundation for that. So, but I think right now I would go Biggio, Bichette, Springer, and then four or five, you can have a battle between Teoscar Hernandez. And listen, if Laddie shows up and start, you know, with all the weight he's lost, if he starts hitting the way he's supposed to hit, he's going to work himself into that conversation. So and if if Guerrero's tearing the cover off the ball and Teoscar's tearing the cover off the ball, you know, then Biggio might have to move down because you've got Springer and Bichette and all these great hitters. The one thing that I want, and this is what I love, one of the things I loved about Brantley is that he's a left-handed batter and he's a very mm -hmm. low strikeout guy. He's a different look in that lineup. He gives them something they don't have in abundance. They've got a lot of right-handed batters with tons of power who strike out sometimes too much. Brantley would have fit in perfectly as the number three hitter. I don't think they're going to find another guy like that. So I think from like two through five or two through six are all going to be somewhat similar hitters in the line. So the Brantley, you raised, I, I had a bunch of places to go there, but since you raised the issue of Brantley, do you believe the Blue Jays got less interested in Brantley after they signed Springer? Or uh, was it simply a case of Houston suddenly waking up and saying, well, we got to, we need an outfielder, so we're going to go get Brantley. Yeah, all I know is I am told by a source that I trust that the Blue Jay offer was not in the same ballpark as the Astros offer. So I think they wanted Brantley. I absolutely think they wanted Brantley. And I will tell you this, Brantley is like an older brother to Springer. That's how close they are. Uh, Brantley is the ultimate professional, supremely respected for people who care, was not on the Astros in 17 and 18 when the yeah. scandal happened. He's got nothing to do with that. He got there in 19. He would have been a perfect fit in every way, except that he's a left fielder slash DH. He's slowing down a little bit. And that would have created a, a real log jam. Now you say, hey, if you get a guy as good as Brantley, you'll figure out the log jam. 
But figuring out the logjam would have meant something like Guriel or Telez or something like that. And everybody's got different opinions on guys who are still relatively young, and we don't know exactly what they're going to be. But it would have absolutely forced the Blue Jays into a trade. I kind of still think they have to make a trade. Oh, I wanted to get to that right? too. So, and and it, you know, it's a puzzle, and, and and I'll let you set it up. But they've got four outfielders, and unless you're Tampa Bay, you you only play three of them out there. So they've got four outfielders, and they've got two guys who are listed as first baseman DH. So unless Vladdy goes back to third, or unless they're just going to say to Rowdy Telez, "You're a part-time guy," I think they have to make a trade. Who would you be more inclined to move? I mean, you may not have the choice. Right. Um, I'm keeping Guriel. I think Grichik becomes the odd man out. Yeah. But that may, do you agree with that, first of all? Well, it, it depends on, on the kind of trade you're willing to make. So, well, yeah. Let's say there's Team X that has a really good starting pitcher, really good. And they're in a rebuilding mode. And they'll say, yeah, I'll give you this pitcher but you got to give me Guriel and this great prospect. Mm -hmm. Do you make that trade? You're not going to get the same offer for Grichik because Grichik is older and makes more money. And probably we know what Randall Grichik is. Guriel's ceiling is probably higher. Maybe his floor is lower, but his ceiling is higher. So you're a Guriel trade. When you package him with a prospect might get you a starting pitcher that really helps your team. A Grichik trade is probably just to alleviate the log jam, and it's less about what you're going to get back in return. But then you're keeping Goriel. So there are two different kinds of trades. Isn't isn't the the Grichik uh, situation probably the most attractive thing about him? Is that he's controllable for three years? He isn't is. that really? Yeah. So I would say you know Randall Grichik has been uh, at times an above average offensive player, at times a below average offensive player. Um, I think he's, uh, the, the analytics didn't like him in center field. I thought he was fine. I thought he was average in center and he's above average in right, although he didn't play much right field this year. But I, I think you could look at him uh, as a guy who's about worth what he's getting, which is, I think, 10 or $11 million a year for three yep. years. Now, Randall's probably 30, I'm guessing, around 30 years old. So um, I, you know what you're getting if you're another team, but you're not getting... Yes, he's controllable for three years, John, but Guriel's controllable for four, and Rowdy Telez is controllable okay. for four, and Teoscar Hernandez, who we haven't discussed yet. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm not sure they're trading any of these guys, but we always go to the Guriel side. What if they traded Teoscar Hernandez and put Grichik back in right field? I don't know that, but uh, all of these guys are controllable for about the same number of years, but Grichik is the most expensive and the oldest of the group. So, you know, just by that, by, you know, by those parameters, he's probably going to fetch you less than the other guys are. I'm not going to, I'm not going to question, um, who, uh, nobody in the right mind would question going and getting George Springer. I mean, he's a, um, he's a premium player yeah. at a position where the Blue Jays have had problems. Um, they have not had the depth in the outfield, even when their infield was put together as young as it was. The outfield was kind of a mishmash. You were never really sure. Now they have a solid guy, presumably for most, as you said, Danny, in the middle. Um, but at the end of the day, this team needs pitching. They solved <laughs> some, if not most, of their problems in the bullpen, and we'll get to Chadwood and Yates in a minute. But uh, did they prioritize Springer over a starting pitcher? And I say that 
from an economic perspective right. because they they unloaded 150 million dollars on Springer which raises the question how much they got left right in the budget right so there's only one starting pitcher who would be at the level of a George Springer that Springer is as an outfielder and that's Trevor Bauer correct and I don't know if they have any interest in Bauer. We all know Bauer pitched in Cleveland. We all know Shapiro and Atkins were in Cleveland. I've never thought Bauer was going to be a Blue Jay. I, 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 it just never felt like a fit to me. I'm not sure they love all the noise on Twitter. And Bauer, as incredible as he was last year, if you look at his career, has not always been consistently really, really good. He has not been as consistently good as Real Muto or Springer or, or guys like that. Um, maybe I'm 100% wrong. Maybe they love him. But it's just, it, 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 I never thought that there was any realistic chance of him becoming a Blue Jay. So if, if that's the case, then the best players out there on the market were position players. And, and Springer certainly, you know, arguably the best. There are some good pitchers out there, a, a Jake Odorizzi, then you've got guys with some injury history. I mean, they can bring back Taiwan Walker. They could sign James Paxton, who, you know, is a Canadian and that's great. And he's been really good when he's been healthy and that's great, but he has a lot of injuries, but this is why I'm thinking they might trade for a starting pitcher. Uh, now you've got an overload in one area, your outfield, you use your surplus to address uh, your, your deficiency, which is starting pitching because you can only overpay so many premium free agents before your money disappears. Well, that's my point. And, and there's also another interesting point because you brought up Real Muto. And, and this is, you know, top five catcher in Major yeah. League Baseball. Um, it's an important position and sometimes one that we, we underrate or don't talk enough about. And it always raises the question with me, and I don't know that you have a definitive answer or anybody has a definitive answer. Are you better off to go and get a stud pitcher, a guy who's going to cost you a crap load of money? Or are you better to go and get a catcher like Real Muto who makes every pitcher who goes to the mound a little bit better? Yeah. Um, I think the pitcher. I, I think you need the pitcher. So Real Muto is maybe the best catcher in baseball, and he's good on both sides of the ball. Um, I'm not convinced that Danny Jansen can't develop into a good major league catcher. And I'll tell you this, Danny Jansen cares about handling pitchers and making his pitchers better as much as anybody in the game. And, and I'm not saying he's going to develop into a star, but I think he's a better player than we saw last year. They also have depth in the system. I, I don't know what Alejandro Kirk's going to turn into, but well, we, nobody, like him. nobody does. Uh, they've got Gabriel Moreno, another very good young prospect, another catcher. Listen, we, we saw this a few years ago. Russell Martin had an enormous, enormous impact on the Blue Jays in those years. Mm -hmm. He did. And that was an overpay for a really, not an overpay, an extra year, an extra year for a really good respected catcher who works well with pitchers because they wanted to get a guy to handle the pitching staff. So your point is valid. The Given the, the current construct of the team, though, um, to go out and spend $100 million over five, uh, it's a lot now. I mean, a good starting pitcher is going to cost you 15, 20 million, but it wouldn't surprise me if the blue Jays get a starting pitcher for a year or two, whether it's a guy they sign or a guy they trade for. I think they're done shopping in the, in the, the big fish aisle. 
Now, I think they're going to go into the pretty big fish aisle, but not the super big fish aisle. And, and um, mm -hmm. listen, they still need a third baseman. Uh, maybe. And they, might, and, and they might need one more reliever. They've still got, you know, maybe three other issues to look at. It's not just one. Well, well hold on, hold on. Who are you going to play at third base, Bob? Who are you playing at third base? Guerrero's playing third base for me. And I know it's a big if, but I don't see... Um, I don't see the platooning thing with Rowdy Tellez working out. I don't think it's a long-term solution. I think you have, you, you, you tie your hands in certain situations. Um, uh, this guy was supposed to be the next great player in Major League Baseball. And um, I think you got to give him a year at third base and see what he can do. Yeah. And you're now surround. He's now surrounded by guys who have matured and essentially have become better than him. And now you've got Springer, who is a great offensive player. I mean, this team could be really dynamic offensively as they sit right now. Yeah. Even if you don't go and get Real Muto, you know. And I want, I want, I want the kid to play. I want him to play every day. And and I don't want him to play first base because. That puts Rowdy Tellez into a platoon DH scenario. Right. If and Rowdy Tellez is a pretty good defensive first baseman. Yeah. If if he can handle third base and be adequate or average or whatever That's all. you want to use, it makes them a better team because they have infinitely more flexibility around the DH spot, and then they don't have to trade anybody. And then Teoscar yep. can DH some and, and and all that sort of thing. But if they throw him over there, and it doesn't work. Now it's May 15th. Like this isn't a rebuilding year anymore. This is a contending year. It's supposed to be. So supposed to be. if it's May 15th and it's really not going well, then what do you do? Who plays third? Then do, does Biggio play third? And then who plays second? And now if Laddie has to go back to first and one of your outfielders is your DH, now you're stuck. Like now you've got a log jam yeah. during the season. And I don't know how you fix that. I mean, I, 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 when, when you looked at the wish list at the end of the season, uh, starting pitching and team defense were the two top issues. Right? Am yes. I correct? Yes. So I, I don't think you can experiment at third base. And I, and I think if you put Guerrero at third base, it's an experiment. Yeah. Here's what I would do if they let me, and nobody's going to let, <laughs> nobody cares, but here, here's what I would do. <laughs> I would get a one year stopgap third baseman, like a, like a good player. Um, somebody who can legitimately play third base doesn't have to be a bopper. You got lots of boppers. Uh, I don't think it's time to move Bo Bichette off short yet. I think he's, he's only played 75 games in the major leagues. And with the possible exception of George Springer, who hasn't played yet, this is the best player on your team. Yes, he And is. everybody, you know, everybody remembers the two errors in the playoff game. I think Bo deserves a, another year to see what he is at short. So I'd get a stopgap third baseman, and that could be, you know, there are some Didi Gregorius rumors out there right now. Now, he's been a shortstop, but if you can play short, chances are you can play third. He's a left-handed hitter. He's been on winning teams, and he's a great guy. Those are all really good things. Uh, mm -hmm. But just somebody who can play third for a year, see how Bo does it short, see how Biggio does it second, see what Vladdy's year is like, and then going into 22, you have way more information about what you've got and what you need than now. Just because it's a contending year, in my mind, doesn't necessarily mean it's a, we have to be a finished product year. The Dodgers, as recently as two years ago, were playing Bellinger at first, in center, and in right. 
They were playing Muncie at first, second, and third. Kike was all over the place. And that's okay. That actually worked out as a strength for them because it, it gave them insurance policies against certain injuries and whatever. So I'd go get a third baseman, a guy who can legitimately play third and just not hurt you offensively and see what things look like at the end of the season. Well, but they've done that and that didn't work out. So, um, you know, they're going to try it again. And, and, and my point also is if you, if you don't let Guerrero play there now, every year that goes by without him regularly taking infield at third base, it's going to become harder and harder and you're going to, and you're going to foresee your own future and your own future is going to be, he's either a DH or a first baseman and third base is going to be out of the question. So people who do this for a living, who evaluate players for a living will tell you it's the, the story ends the same, no matter what you do. He's a DH. That, that's what yeah. people will say to you. He's a DH and be okay with that. Just let him go rake and be a, and be a DH. But there's kind of like this mental hurdle we all have. Well, you can't put a 22 year old at, at, as DH. I don't know. Like I get why you shouldn't and can he handle it? And a lot of guys have trouble adapting to that. And, you know, the thing about first base too, is first base is tricky in its own right. It's trickier in its own right than a lot of other positions because of the cutoffs and relays and the holding runners and how far do you go to your right? You know, third base, you see the ball, you get the ball. Whatever's hit anywhere near you, go get it. To your left, to your right, it doesn't make any difference. Right. That's not how first base works. No. We saw Vladdy two or three times go to his right for a ball. He should have left for the second baseman. Correct. Play. Um, you know, and, and, the, and, and the kind of the interesting, somewhat counterintuitive thing about all this is Guerrero's best attribute defensively, I think, is his arm, which is obviously less of a in play at first base than it is at third. Um, there are no easy there are no easy answers here. And, and, but to me, the Blue Jays, they kind of need to have a, an idea of what they want to do with them because it impacts what they're looking for the rest oh, of the sure. season. And uh, it should be noted that uh, for those that are complete idiots, uh, that his um, his his arm strength is of no consequence if he's a DH. Now, um, Chadwood and oh. Yates. Let's start with Yates because uh, we know where, what he is. I think uh, the 2019 saves leader, and um, he's going to be in the bullpen and he's going to be the closer. Correct. I think if he's healthy, he gets first shot at it. Absolutely. Um, now we saw last year. The Blue Jays use, when, when various people were healthy, Bass and Dolis and Romano, all his closers. And Dolis, because he had a splitter, would face parts of the lineup that had more lefties. Bass with a slider would face more righties. Romano would come in with velocity against the heart of the order. So it was more situational. The Blue Jays are not necessarily wed to, you're the closer. So, yes, I think Yates, because of his experience, probably gets first crack at it, but I don't think it's a it's a given a hundred percent. And and if he saved the game yesterday, maybe he gets the day off today. But it could have to do with what team you're playing, what their weaknesses are, what part of the order you're in. But if he's healthy, he's obviously heavily in the mix. Uh Chatwood health health with Chatwood is an, has been an issue too. Um, and he has been both a starter and a reliever. And for lack of a, a, just to try and define, he sort of been, has been relegated to the bullpen more of late. Um, and I see him in that role. Ex- if the Blue Jays don't get another starting pitcher, now all of a sudden I'm not so sure. Yeah, so he signed a three-year deal with the Cubs 
29th. So before 2018, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. he had major control problems. Mm -hmm. He is a hard throwing, high spin rate. If he can figure it out, the analytics love him kind of guy. But he's kind of, you know, very roughly, he's kind of like a right-handed Robbie Ray, a little bit. Stuff's yeah. great, but you got to locate. It's another job for Dr. Pete Walker. It's another, it's another patient for Dr. Walker. So e easier to do that, Danny. Just 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 your opinion. Easier to do that as a starter or a reliever? I think probably as a reliever, uh, you know, as a starter, you're probably concentrating on three or four pitches as a reliever, maybe two or three. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're getting rid of your of the one that you don't like as much. And I think sometimes as a reliever, you just come in with a different mindset and you're just like, I'm just going to challenge these guys, air it out. Now, remember Nate Pearson in the playoff game? Remember when Nate Pearson came in? He didn't throw any change-ups or curveballs, I don't think, in the two innings. He faced six batters. He struck out five. He blew them away. He was 101 with a fastball, hard slider. I don't think he threw change-ups or curves. Uh, I think he took the thinking out of it. Um, and I, I think sometimes for certain kinds of, you know, just about every good reliever in baseball is a failed starter. Nobody grows up, no, no 10 year olds throwing oh, I've said you know, it all my against, life. against yeah. the pillow saying, I want to, they're be all reliever. failed starters. Right. Exactly right. So yeah. I, I think it can probably go better, uh, out of the bullpen, but, um, you know, the back end of the rotation is interesting. So they've got, obviously they've got Ryu, they've got Pearson. Nobody should expect Pearson to throw 180 to 200 innings this year with how little he pitched last year. They've got Robbie Ray. They've got Tanner Roark, who they desperately need to be better this year. And then they've got guys. They've got Stripling. They've got Thornton. And then they've got that group of guys who helped them last year. Merriweather, Kay, uh, I'm missing. Oh, and uh, Hatch and Thomas Hatch. Mm -hmm. All of those guys could be relievers, could jump up and get the fifth starter spot, or could start off starting in Buffalo. That's their depth. And that's pretty good depth. That's a lot better depth than they've had recently. So uh, I think you're going to have some pretty good guys buying for the back end of the rotation. But if they get another legitimate starter, then I'm not sure there's room. But I, I would expect Chatwood to kind of start off as being like that two inning, fifth, sixth inning middle reliever guy at the outset. Anything from you, John? So, Dan, what's the ripple effect of the Springer signing? What's the ripple effect of the Springer signing? to the American League East? That's a good question. So the Red Sox, by their standards, are down. And two of the top three starting pitchers for the Rays are not Rays anymore. Uh, Snell's gone and Morton's gone. Those, that's a big blow. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think the Blue Jays have put themselves uh, in the conversation of, of competing with Tampa Bay. And, and I admire so much about what Tampa Bay does. And I don't forget that they were in the World Series last year. But I think they're going to take a bit of a step back, as good as they are and as deep as their system is. And I think the Blue Jays right now project as a team that can give them a battle for second base. Now, if they go out, you know, if we're talking in a month and Jake Odorizzi and Didi Gregorius are Blue Jays, that's a whole other story, right? Like there's more coming. I don't know who it is. Maybe Colton Wong's a Blue Jay. Maybe Tommy Listell is a Blue Jay. Maybe Shane Green is a Blue Jay. I don't know. But there's more coming. Um, this is not the team they're going to put out there on opening day. And I think, I think they've got a chance to contend with Tampa Bay for second. I don't know if they can be as good as the Yankees. I, I, I still, even though the Yankees have some pitching issues, I still think they're a step ahead and, you know, they were as good as they were last year, even with all the injuries they had. So 
Um, you know, the crazy thing about it is it's January, what it is, whatever it is, 21st. We don't know how many teams are making the playoffs. We don't know if it's five, six, seven, or eight in, in each league. Uh, nobody, obviously nobody benefited more than the Blue Jays did last year. They finished eighth. Um, so, uh, but I, I think they're going to be better in April than they, than they are now. And, and I think John, they've got an excellent chance to, to maybe sneak up on people and finish second in the division. Uh, one more no. on the Springer signing. All right. Bob, if you don't mind, one more on the Springer signing. Um, I mean, this was supposed to be a derby between the Jays and the Mets. Yeah. Sandy Alderson and his group are in an absolute mess right now. They're in a mess. You yeah. know, they fired the general manager. How much, how much of it was pure money and how much of it was Mets lack of organization? Uh, that that's it's a good question it's not something I'm privy to I would I would suspect it was mostly money I mean Sandy Alderson who's the president of the Mets is as experienced a baseball executive as there is and ultimately I think the general manager was going to Sandy Alderson and Sandy Alderson was going to Steve Cohen to authorize it and um, you know they spent when they picked up Lindor um, maybe they made a decision if we can only get one it's going to be Lindor and and when the Blue Jays didn't get him, maybe the Blue Jays said, now we got to do everything we can do to get Springer. You know, there, there was a time we were saying, oh, there's, most of the free agents are still there. It's fine. It's going to be fine. But, you know, some of the big guys were starting to come off the board. And I think the Blue Jays realized they had to get somebody. They had to lock down somebody right now and not be left, uh, you know, shopping at the end when all the big guys were gone. So I think the Lindor signing or trade with the Mets actually helped the Blue Jays get Springer. I see no scenario under which the Toronto Blue Jays will play at Rogers Center this year. Um, Maybe later in the year, but even that would be speculative, which means what? Do they go back to Buffalo? If Buffalo plays, does Buffalo play in Buffalo too? Are you going to have baseball seven days a week in Buffalo with nobody in the stands? Um, Are there alternatives? What do you think? What do you hear? I think they start in Dunedin. Uh, so in the past, the Dunedin Blue Jays were a full season A ball team. Yes. That is no longer the case. There's been right. a massive reconfiguration of the minors. That's not the case anymore. The ballpark, as you guys know, was, and the minor league facilities, which as, as Bob, as you know, very well, is they're like eight miles away in a different part of town. Yep. Everything's been rebuilt. Everything is supposedly state of the art. Uh, the lighting at the ballpark is major league standard from, from what I understand. I think they start in Dunedin. They'll, they'll be down there and they I just, don't disagree. Yeah. And they just stay there. I don't think Buffalo's in play. I think Buffalo plays in Buffalo if there is a, a minor league season, which I expect there to be. So I think the Blue Jays start in Dunedin and hopefully when it could move to Toronto at some point, and maybe it's as simple as they have a homestand in June then they go on a seven-day road trip, and while they're on that seven-day road trip, they pack up the trucks, and the trucks come up to Toronto, and by the time the Blue Jays are done the road trip, everything's in place in Toronto. I think that's doable, uh, but my guess is they start in Dunedin, and they don't even set a date of we're hoping to be in Toronto, but you know, when it, we understand, we have all come to understand the virus is in charge here, and uh, whenever times allow they can come up but i i would you know hope it would be june july but we, we really have no idea no we don't we don't understand the future of this yeah. of this virus we have we have no way of knowing but what we do know is that there is a there is a, a scenario in place right now that if you cross the border and come back for whatever reason you have to quarantine and a baseball team 
as much or more than any other sport is back and forth, going to be back and forth. The Toronto team is going to be back and forth across the border on numerous occasions. And yep. You can't quarantine. And that's going to be the issue for me. It's less about the team, the players coming in from other, other places. Um, it's the well, Blue Jays going back and forth. Right. They would need an exemption. And the only way they would get an exemption in my mind is if enough people have been vaccinated where the virus, the virus numbers are, significantly better than they are like way and, better and and that is not in our future right now it's not april may no, it, no. it's maybe it's july <laughs> I, I don't know none of us knows right so no, we don't yeah we don't know um you know if there are no fans in the stands um then from a you know concessions and and revenue standpoint there you're not losing anything by playing in dunedin i would imagine playing in dunedin in july and august is no fun because it's it's hot as the surface of the sun down there in the summer. So I, I would think the Blue Jays would love to be out of there by June 1st if they can. And this is all speculative. We don't know. I don't think they're playing in Buffalo, and I I, I don't know where else they would play. You know, one – and I don't think there's legs to this, but I got a couple of buddies. There's a gorgeous ballpark in Omaha, Nebraska, the ballpark for the College World Series. It is Major League State of the Art. Sure. And obviously seen there's it. no Major League team there. And it didn't make sense last year because you were playing a regional schedule. You were only playing teams in the East. But if the schedule is the real schedule and you're going to Texas and Kansas City and Anaheim and Seattle and Oakland, not, not as big a deal. I, I Don't get me wrong. I think it's the longest of long shots, but um, I wonder if it's on anybody's you know whiteboard as a, as a possibility. But my guess is Dunedin for part of the year and then hopefully Toronto at the end. But, but let, let's rule out um, Roger Center. Buffalo was not viewed successfully. I, I thought people thought Buffalo in the end turned out okay. I think Buffalo turned out okay. Uh, and I think they did beyond okay. I think they did the absolute best job they could do with it. I mean, they do have a triple-A ball club to put somewhere. So that's that's part of it. Um, and I, I don't know enough between Buffalo and Dunedin to know which place has the better facilities. Wait, um, mm -hmm. I think Dunedin probably does. And again, it's not right at the ballpark. It's it's a bus ride away. It's a few miles away. But from whatever, weight room to training room, all that stuff, I, I believe Dunedin is now considered state-of-the-art for Major League Baseball. And in Buffalo, they were doing it on the concourse. They had the weights and the exercise up by the hot dog stand because yeah. the infrastructure of the ballpark is what it is. So I think in that respect, John, I, I think Dunedin is looked upon as more favorable right now. Well, it's hard to believe, but we say this every year around this time. It will not be long until yeah. baseballs are flying in Florida and Arizona again. And um, uh, there's a lot to be decided, as you alluded to earlier in this conversation, before we get to that point. And it'll be very intriguing to see how Major League Baseball decides to handle this. Do you think they, they would contemplate doing something less than 162-game schedule? Uh, I think the owners want to, but they can't do that without the players, from what I understand. And I believe the players have said, hmm. we're going to get, we want to get paid this year, uh, the full thing. So yeah. um, it seems, it seems... <laughs> Unlike, you know, unlikely to say the least, there the virus is is worse now than it was in July of last year. You know, there are way more people uh, on a daily basis contracting the virus right now. Again, two months from now, 
Will 40, 50% of the population be vaccinated? Will that help? I don't, we don't know. Um, I think they're going to try like hell to, uh, to start on time. And, and a couple of, uh, or a few coaches and managers that I've talked to on various teams uh, who I have relationships with have said, I'm getting in the car in a couple of weeks. That's my plan right now. Um, well, the American government's now planning 30, you know, 100 million in 100 days is their plan. 100 million vaccinations in 100 days. That's less, that's less than a third yeah. of the population in the next 100 yeah. days. And that would take so, you to the, you know, it, there, There's a lot, there's a lot of things to be considered. And yeah. Canada isn't getting any vaccines uh, for the next, uh, for, well, the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, you're there for eight weeks. Um, look over your left shoulder. There is a nasty picture on the wall. Perhaps <laughs> you can have them change that if we have I will, back on. I, I, I will try. Uh, <laughs> and not only am I here for eight weeks, but because it's a pandemic, like I'm here for eight weeks. My, oh, I know. My excursions <laughs> uh, are limited to work and the grocery store, basically, uh, or, wow. you know, going to get a coffee in the morning or something. That's, that's about it. So you want to, you want to make really sure you like your surroundings. Well, I'm pretty sure you can't turn that picture around. I'm pretty sure you can't take it off the wall. Usually in hotels, they glue the fake artwork to the wall in the in the in the event that somebody tries to steal it. I'm pretty sure nobody's going to steal that stealing thing. That but nobody's stealing I'm, that one. <laughs> I'm taking I'm taking the lamp before I'm taking the yard. You and me both, pal. Uh, good to see you. Uh, stay safe down there. And um, we'll, uh, if we have the opportunity, and hopefully you will, uh, we'll chat again before the season starts. Thank you, Danny Boy. Absolutely, guys. Be well. Okay, there is the, uh, the great Dan Schulman. Uh, have a nice weekend. We'll see you on Monday if the crick don't rise for Shannon McCowan. Bye-bye.